This is Dave Chang. And Chris Ying. We are the hosts of Recipe Club. You may have listened to it before, but we are now back on the air, new and improved, with the same hosts that lose every week. I still don't know what the rules are because they've changed as well. Chris, can you give a quick rundown? Every week, we debate the best way to cook the things you want to eat. We take a user, listener, submitted recipe, and we all cook it with our friends, Priya Krishna, Rachel Kong, Brian Ford, and John DeBerry. And then we talk about what went right and what went wrong. No, I actually really don't want to do this podcast. (laughs) And they are hardly our friends. They are enemies. They are enemies. It's Dave's civil disobedience. If you want to see Dave Chang in an act of civil disobedience, tune into Recipe Club where he will not follow the recipe. I'm contractually obligated (laughs) to make this podcast. (laughs) But I'm here to have a good time. So listen to Recipe Club every week on the Ringer Podcast Network. This episode of The Town is brought to you by FX's Feud, Capote versus the Swans. The second installment in Ryan Murphy's Feud anthology tells the story of acclaimed writer Truman Capote once a confidant to society's most elite women, whom he nicknamed the Swans. Starring Naomi Watts, Diane Lane, Chloe Sevigny, Callista Flockhart, Demi Moore, Molly Ringwald, and Tom Hollander. For your Emmy consideration, visit fxnetworks.com FYC. This episode is brought to you by cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, View its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. All right, it's Monday, April 4th, and it is post-Grammys. I did not go to Vegas this year. The Grammys are usually in L.A. or New York, and I usually go, but I did not. Luckily for us, Lucas Shaw from Bloomberg, who is our Monday morning quarterback guest, he was in Vegas and is here to chat about the Grammys with us. Also, stick around to the end of this episode. We finally have a name for my prediction segment. It will not disappoint. Although now that I said that, it will likely disappoint. I'm Matt Bellany, and this is The Town. All right, we are here with Lucas Shaw. He is in Vegas. Where are you staying in, Lucas? Oh, I'm staying at the the Renaissance Hotel, uh, a lovely off-strip establishment, but that because it has no casino, uh, is quiet and a nice place to come back after long days out at the Grammys. That's a little surprising. I would think that the Bloomberg expense account would go a little bigger than that. Uh, I, I belatedly found out that there's some quirks that mean that when I book through the Bloomberg system, I only get recommended hotels off the strip. And that if I want to go, <laughs> if I want to go on the strip, I have to book it in a different way. Huh. Um, there's probably some incident in 1987 that prompted the change, uh, in Vegas that you are no, no longer allowed to stay on the strip. All right. So you were there at the Grammys last night. I thought it was a great show. Um, I think they really entertaining, great performances, some fun wins. The big winners for the night, the four main categories, uh, Song of the Year and Record of the Year, both went to Silk Sonic, uh, the Bruno Mars, Anderson Pack collaboration, Leave the Door Open. That's their big song. Uh, Best New Artist went to my favorite, Olivia Rodrigo for Sour. She uh, was expected to win more than that, I think, and didn't. The album of the year went instead to John Batiste for an album called We Are, which I think was a bit of a head scratcher. How did that happen, Lucas? You know, the Grammys have a long history of making no real sense in the big categories. 
they always go for kind of artists that are seen as kind of traditionally musically accomplished and also those that tend to appeal to a broader or broad is probably not fair in the case of John Batiste because nobody really listens to his music, but to a, I don't know, like Kansas moms, if you will. Like those are the types of people who win the top awards at the Grammys. They never award hip hop. They almost never award some young genre pushing, boundary pushing artist. They've Bruno Mars, who's part of Silk Sonic, has been the big winner at the Grammys three of the last seven years, three of the last eight years. And while his music is perfectly nice to listen to, I, 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 have to describe him as vanilla and i feel like that's what yeah. the grammys tend to go for he's like soul and funk for moms yeah um you know they did an interesting thing with the big categories this year and it was criticized is that they expanded them to 10 artists and they did did that kind of late in the process and the thinking was that they did it to add more popular artists because Kanye West, Donda and Taylor Swift with Evermore got album of the year nominations and I got to wonder if because all of those different popular artists were added to the album of the year category, that that opened the door for someone like John Batiste to sneak in there because all those p- other people canceled them out and he had his constituency. I do think there's something to the split vote. I mean, if you look at the album of the year nominees, for example, you had Olivia Rodrigo, Billie Eilish, Taylor Swift, kind of three female pop stars, all of whom probably had some overlap in who was voting for them. Mm-hmm. And you end up canceling themselves out. Mm-hmm. But the kind of the crazy thing for this year, you mentioned Kanye West and Donda. Until they expanded the category and added him, there was no hip-hop act in the album of the year category at the Grammys. That's the genre that has dominated music for basically the last 20 years. Um, now, it was, a relatively, it was a relatively weak year. But, you know, Tyler, the creator who won Best Rap Album is, you know, is a huge star, made a great album. Um, and, and you had a bunch of other people out there. The, the Grammys big prob- the Grammys have this problem also now that the talent, especially in kind of the hip hop and R&B community, doesn't always come to the Grammys, doesn't want to be there. Kanye West was not there the weekend, even though he actually won one indirectly through Kanye West, said that he wouldn't be submitting his, <coughs> his uh, projects anymore. And Drake, Drake too, right? Drake, Kendrick Lamar, all these guys have sort of given up on the Grammys. And I'll be very curious what happens when some of them release albums next year because the Gram or release albums in the coming years, because because the Grammys are kind of continuing to do what frustrates a lot of people about the awards. Yeah, uh, they're not cool or they're getting less cool. (laughs) Uh, All right. So let's talk a little bit about the show. Um, I think Kanye not being there did kind of take a little bit of the air out of the room. There was no moment, for lack of a better word. There was nothing, I mean, I'm not talking about something like the Oscars where it's controversy, but there was nothing that people, I think, will talk about a day or two from now. Do you agree with that? Yeah, I mean, it was a lot of very solid performances. They did a good job of kind of at least picking one person from every big genre. You have K-pop with BTS, you have Latin music with J Balvin, some hip-hop, some R&B, some rock. But there was no single moment that stands out, no weird pairing of great musicians. You know, they spent more time joking about the Will Smith moment between Trevor Noah and Questlove and others than they did having any really memorable moment on stage. It's it's certainly not in the presentations. The the thing that might stand out to me most was when Doja Cat had to rush on stage because she won an award 
and was still in the bathroom and then seemed so overwhelmed by having to be on stage. She ended up like trying to fix her dress so that she didn't flash <laughs> the audience. That was kind of weird. Yeah, the Christine Lottie Award. I think uh, Michael Keaton had that happen to him at the SAG Awards too. It's kind of a trend. One more and it's officially a trend. The Zelensky moment was nice, I thought. They did a really nice tribute to Ukraine and had some Ukrainian singers. And it just, it, it popped into my head when I was watching that. I was like, God, this this show is so well produced and and executed. And it really just shows how badly the Oscars are produced because the Oscars had a chance to get Zelensky. He is an actor and there was some discussion about getting him. They ultimately didn't do it. And then the Grammys almost, you know, they kind of put them to shame a week later. Was there um, a reason that the that the Oscar thing didn't come together? My understanding is that the producer, Will Packer, didn't want it, and the Academy didn't quite understand how to insert it into the show without it coming across as kind of actors grandstanding. And, you know, in their defense, they they are not a music show, and the, the Grammys pulled it off by putting together that amazing musical performance. And I think they probably could have done that on the Oscars, but it would have been a little bit more strained, so they chose to kind of step back and not do it. Um, ben Winston, who produces the Grammys, is a fantastic live producer. He did the Friends reunion, did the Adele special. He's done the Grammys the past couple of years. And I am betting that he would do the Oscars in a second. And for some reason, the Oscars keep going with film and television producers to produce their show rather than live event specialists. It's the most confounding thing ever. And the Oscars really suffer for it. Well, the, the Grammys do have this advantage. You know, one of your favorite things to talk about when it comes to the Oscars is to try to make it more of a show, right? And that's mm -hmm. what the Grammys have leaned into for forever, basically, or at least for as long as I've been watching. Because it's a, as Trevor Noah said at the outset of, of the event last night, it's a concert where they give out a handful of awards. It's not really about the awards, at least during the broadcast. You know, if it's a three and a half hour show, two and a half hours of that or two hours of that is is performances. And that's to its to its advantage. It's the best showcase for the for its talent. Yeah, so I, I agree. And the the bump, the Grammys bump that you typically see after the show, I mean, sometimes that can be significant. You think of artists that have really benefited, like, you know, Alicia Keys or Brandi Carlisle or, or even all the way going back to someone like Ricky Martin, who was really made on the Grammys. You know, I think the probably the person that's going to benefit is John Batiste. I'll admit I... I downloaded that song last night because I had no idea what his music sounds like other than being the band leader on Colbert. I I actually think it'll be Silk Sonic. Really? Uh, yeah, I mean, look, John Batiste will definitely get a boost um, because he's the least known, unless you're a, a, an avid viewer of, of Colbert's show or someone who really likes kind of jazz music. You know, his album peaked, I think, at number 86 on the Billboard charts. That's not very high. But I don't think Silk Sonic is all that well known. And just from conversations, even internally with some of the people at Bloomberg, I guess like who is Silk Sonic was a big trending question on Google <laughs> over the last 12 hours. Other than uh, what time do the Grammys start? That's always a big one. Um, so I think also that music is very approachable. I mm -hmm. think you're going to see a lot of people go to John Baptiste and they'll listen to Freedom. But when it comes to the whole album I, I don't know how much of it they're gonna they're gonna tune into but but silk sonic leave the door open could definitely have another boost over the next couple of weeks yeah i think that it, it's a certain type of artist like brandy carlisle is the perfect type where that is someone where you hear that amazing performance on on a show like this and it's the people who tune in are the kind of people who are more likely to be interested in that kind of artist 
Yeah. Um, it's a it's an odd thing because if you talk to people in the music industry, they still very much care about the Grammys. And it's still, you know, the 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 pecking order is still established, I think, by the labels. Which label had the most Grammys last night? It was a weird year because Silks, I I, I should know this, but because Silk Sonic is a hybrid act, I don't actually I think they uh, are they both I claim th- credit. I think because Bruno Mars is is Atlantic. He's he's their biggest star or, or one of their biggest stars. I believe Anderson Pot comes from Universal. I think that Atlantic releases uh, Silk Sonic, but it could be a joint venture between the two of them. But Universal was was widely expected to be the big winner because of Olivia Rodrigo, and it didn't happen. And it 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 just didn't work out that way because obviously they you know they didn't get that win. To your point about you know people still caring, that is true. I will say. Uh, that the attendance of the top, top people was not the same as it would have been if it was in Los Angeles. It being oh, Los- no way. I mean, yeah. I was even talking about this. There was no A-A-A-list star. There were great musicians and people that it was nice to see on stage, but there was no Taylor Swift. There was no Drake. There was no Springsteen. There was no Beyonce. There, were, I mean, none of the, like, oh, my God, you got to tune in. So we'll see what the ratings are. I I I wouldn't be surprised if they dropped. Yeah. Well, and even though this has absolutely no bearing on ratings, even mm-hmm. on the executive side, you know, the CEOs of some of these of a lot of these big companies or some of the biggest managers were not in town for for Vegas. They they just didn't want to come. And if they did come, they some of them would come for like an event Friday night or Saturday morning. People didn't want to stick around for the Grammys. Right. The um who who do you think won the show? Who do you think was like, forget the awards, forget the, you know, best performances, you know, uh, was it Bieber's suit? Did, I, I was talking about it this morning <laughs> with a friend. Bieber's suit may have won the, won the Grammys. Trevor Noah. I don't know who, who won. Trevor Noah was excellent, but I, I do think it's Silk Sonic. They own the show because they deliver, they have the opening performance. They have a win, the first big category win in song of the year. They have a bit with Trevor Noah where Trevor Noah is making fun of Bruno Mars. Yeah, what was up with that? Was he, actu- was he actually pissed? Uh, was Bruno Mars pissed? Yeah. I don't think so because if you, if you, if you looked at it, um, he pretended to be pissed, but at the very, very end before they cut to commercial or at least in the screen that I saw, like Trevor Noah and Bruno Mars looked at each other and they basically, you know, they made it clear that it was all cool. But he's the king of the Grammys. I don't know. And and then he won again at the end with record of the year. Like John Baptiste, most of his wins were in the, there's this telecast or this award ceremony before what you yeah. see on TV where 80 of the 87 awards or whatever it is are given out. Mm-hmm. And he won four during that. But the only thing he wins during the telecast is at the very, very end. I think Silk Sonic had the most beats during the show where people were reminded of who they were. And people already know who Bruno Mars is. Yeah. Maybe good for Anderson Park, who's was wearing a t- completely ridiculous wig. Right. Was, so that was a wig. I mean, and yes. <laughs> I God, I hope it was a wig. <laughs> <laughs> they also had their like pre- their preparation for that. They were gonna like slow mo get out of their chairs when they won awards that they uh, did it. They had a whole shtick, which is a little bit frustrating or like a little bit weird at times, but it worked for them. The audience ate it up. You know, I don't know. BTS probably had a moment for like all the people who watch the Grammys who are, have maybe heard of them once or twice. But then well, they exposed. all. I mean, the BTS is this odd thing because all of these award shows invite them because they have this rabid fan base, and like yet there's this 
you know, split because they're not really an awards type band or is it a band, a group? They don't play instruments. So, you know, were they even nominated last time? I think they were nominated for one or two, right? Yeah, they were up for one of the one of the pop awards that was given out during the show. And they didn't win. But did win. the Grammys got the benefit of having their performance and then they got to have that nice moment where one of the guys talked to Olivia Rodrigo and people on the internet went wild. And Trevor Noah tried to talk to one of them in Korean and it was not clear if he just completely butchered it or what <laughs> happened there, but... Oh, yeah, that's right. One of the guys started like laughing as if he had inadvertently said some swear word or something. All right, Lucas, we talked about the winners. Give us some losers. Everyone loves the loser. I don't know who to who to label as the loser for this, but Louis C.K. winning the Grammy for Best Comedy Album, um, given all that's happened, was, was a pretty weird moment and probably the thing that the, the Grammys got dinged for the most on Twitter. You know, I think coming out of the Oscars, which was which was such a mess... The Grammy sort of hit all the right political notes. You know, we we, we talked about Ukraine. Um, you had a pretty diverse group of performers and winners, but but giving comedy album to Louis C.K. was odd. Yeah, and they did a nice thing where they had the tour manager people come out and introduce their bands. I thought that, that I thought that was very cool. Um, but yeah, I don't. I mean, why do you like so? Someone enough voters had to say, you know what, that Louis C.K. I'm going to endorse him and vote for him. <laughs> I mean, it's. I get obviously I understand why the Grammys have a comedy album, but it uh, usually means let's just give this award to like the biggest star stand-up comedian we can find, mm-hmm. preferably someone who hasn't won before. This is an award that Chappelle has won. I think it's an award that people like Amy Schumer have won. It's not a place for like discovering some new comedian. Right. And and preferably not someone who has admitted to multiple incidents of sexually harassing women. But Olivia and Olivia Rodrigo, I would say even slight loser, probably not fair because she won three awards. She wins best new artist. She's uh, she has a performance that a lot of people like. But I did think it was interesting. So we were we were sitting backstage at the end. And when you're in the, the press room, they just a lot of the different winners come back. And every year is a little bit different because if it, a really big star wins, they usually don't come backstage. But the people who are genuinely excited about having won like to do the press. And they had told us at the end of the show that Olivia Rodrigo was going to come. And I waited another like 20, 30 minutes well, to wait and see because I thought it might be interesting if she had anything to say. And then at the very end, they're like, oh, she's not coming. And I have to wonder <laughs> if it's because she didn't win either of those last couple of awards. Huh. You know what? She's 20 years old. She'll she's not even 20. Career. She's 19. She's 19 years old. Wow. <laughs> so she couldn't even go to the after party. She couldn't even take her Grammy and bet it all on black. I was at a couple of events where they told me that they they had that they weren't allowed to invite Olivia because she was too young and they knew that she wouldn't get in. Wow, that's crazy. Uh, all right, you've been to a few Grammys now. Give us, you know, your assessment: an A show, B show, C show. I think like a I, there was this grade that that used to haunt me and when I was in school that was like a an A minus slash B plus or a B plus slash A minus. That's sort of where this was. It was a very solid show um, that had a little bit of everything. The performances were for the most part very fun. You had a, a Lenny Kravitz sighting. Uh, but it never, that guy does not age. (laughs) That guy looks the same as he did in 1987, but it didn't deliver that, like that Holy shit moment. Um, which I think you need to have a a, a truly great award show. Okay. Well, I have a feeling the Grammys will be back in LA next year. 
Uh, I've, I've spoken with people who are already planning their events for next year. So yeah, I would be, I would be shocked if they didn't bring it back. I mean, this was definitely a, I don't think the recording Academy sort of acknowledged this, but it was hundred percent COVID. They, it got postponed because of Omicron and then trying to book the Grammys in LA with some of the uncertainty was difficult. Whereas they, oh, and they also, problem. they needed a Sunday night in LA when there was a big venue open and with basketball season still going, like there was nothing available. So I know why they did it, but all right. Thank you, Lucas. Lucas is still in Vegas. Hopefully you're feeling okay and you'll be back soon. Appreciate the time. Thanks, Matt. All right. We are back with producer Craig for my 100% surefire probable prediction of the day, which is no longer our working title. We have a winner, Craig. Who is it? Uh, it was tweeted to Matt by at Art Carlson. Thank you, Art Carlson. The new name is The Call Sheet. The Call Sheet. It's a Hollywood pun. It's the perfect nexus of punny and understandable. Yes. If you don't understand what Call Sheet means, then um, tweet at Craig and he'll explain it to you. I will. Like I went to film school. So <laughs> now Matt will be giving his call every week. I'll be giving my call of the day. And... Today's call, we just finished the award season. The Grammys this year are the official end. It's usually the Oscars, but because of the postponed Grammys, the Grammys are the end of the award season. So, of course, have to predict what is going to win Best Picture next year. And you think that might be a joke, but people are... I I just Googled Oscars 2023, and there are like five prediction sites that are already talking about it. I happen to know just from internal buzz at some of the studios what people think Uh, are going to be the big movies. My prediction is that next year's Oscars will come down to Killers of the Flower Moon, the Martin Scorsese film with Leo DiCaprio and Jesse Plemons, versus, this is the big wild card here, versus Avatar 2. Wow. 14 years later? How long has it been? It's been, uh, Avatar was 2010? No, no. Avatar was tw- was two thousand eight. I believe two thousand and eight. You're right. It's been yeah. literally almost fifteen years. So, and the reason there is, you know, and I, I know sequels never win Best Picture, except when they do, and you know, Godfather two, obviously. But uh, this is, I think, people are the expectations are pretty low for Avatar two, and if the buzz that I hear amongst people who have seen the footage is that it is amazing. And in a year when the box office is struggling to come back and, you know, people are looking to a hero, James Cameron, um, I think is going to deliver. I think this movie is going to be gigantic. It's set mostly underwater. The footage is breathtaking. And I think it's going to be a best picture contender. This is a film student's nightmare. This is like the Forrest Gump versus Pulp Fiction in 94. If it's a Martin Scorsese movie with Leo losing best picture to an Avatar film, uh, there's going to be pandemonium. Well, it's not like this is some Scorsese art house movie. The Fla- Killers of the Flower Moon is also like $150 million. In fact, it was so expensive that it was originally developed at Paramount, and Paramount was like, you know what, guys, we're out. Remember, Leo is not the star of Killers of the Flower Moon. Jesse Plemons actually is. He just got an Oscar nomination for Power of the Dog. Um, Leo was going to play the star and then actually kind of step back into the more supporting role. So I think that's at least something interesting here. It may not help its, you know, viewership, but I think it it may, you know, because he wanted to do that, it may actually be the more interesting role. Hmm. I'm just happy that avatar is back and this is now. Are you really though? I feel like Avatar gets shit on a lot. It does. Everybody I know hates Avatar. And my mini call, if I get one, is that the original Avatar is actually not that bad. It's a, it's a perfectly good movie. And in the moment, everybody liked it. 
Yeah, it was fine. I mean, in 3D, in like a movie theater, it's great. You know, on TNT on a Friday night when you're, you know, uh, uh, coming home after a night out, it's probably not great. Agreed. But I bet you this one will be, like you said, spectacular. All right. I want to thank producer Craig. I want to thank Lucas Shaw. I want to thank you for listening. We will see you on Wednesday. This episode is brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. As a ruthless king builds his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape will fight for the future of apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes, enter the kingdom in IMAX on May 10th and in theaters everywhere. Get tickets now. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.